Happy New Year to everyone, and Happy New Year, maybe, maybe for the franchise again in the regular season. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots on the other two teams I cover, the Steelers and Pirates, right where you found this. The Penguins remain on the schedule for an actual face-off against an actual hockey opponent Sunday at 1.08 p.m. against the Sharks at PPG Paints Arena. I look forward, eagerly look forward to covering that one. And I look forward to seeing what this team can become in this early part of the new year. Presuming, again, multiple asterisks, the schedule allows them to do so. This particular break, the one that now extends all the way back to December 19 in Newark, I feel came at a decent time for the Penguins. I know that's not going to be a universally held opinion because they were in a seven-game winning streak, they were doing a lot of things right. They had just gotten their backup goaltender to look NHL competent. And they were going to be able to get through this stretch, you would think, in continuing good shape. But what's happened instead is that the break came along and it bought significantly more time for the recoveries of Jake Gensel, Brian Rust, Evgeny Malkin. Gino's not supposed to be back Sunday, but he's supposed to be back soon. I think you're going to see both Gensel and Rust face the Sharks. And the usual now handful of guys who are on the COVID list. That's going to bode well for this hockey team the more games that you can allow your best players to participate in, the better shape you're going to be in. Look at it this way. The Penguins are currently, let me open up a a set of standings here. Penguins are currently 17-8-5. That is good for fourth in the Metro Division out of the eight teams there. That's pretty good considering where they started and everything they've had to deal with, which goes obviously well beyond the COVID restrictions that have hit everyone. Now, the Hurricanes are way up there at 22-7-1. They've got 45 points to the Penguins, 39, but that's six points. That's six points. The Capitals are also six points ahead of the Penguins, but the Penguins have two games on them. The Rangers are three points ahead of the Penguins, but the Penguins have a game in hand on them as well. And more important than any of that, just to get this out of the way from a playoff perspective, you have to drop eight points down to find the Blue Jackets, the Flyers, and then below them, the Devils and Sabres. So, The playoff position that looked like it was going to be a challenge in and of itself, while it's a long, long way from being settled, 
is certainly looking good, but you know what? Why stop there? This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. This, to paraphrase something Mike Sullivan says all the time, is a good hockey team. The Penguins are a good team. They have done a lot of good things despite missing a lot of good players, in particular up front. They have gotten to this point in the season. I'm going to read this record to you again. At 17-8-5, despite getting only four goals from Sidney Crosby, two goals from Brian Rust, zero goals from Evgeny Malkin. That's six total goals from those three guys. That's a heck of a sacrifice to make at the altar, you know? It tells you a lot about what this team is and, individually, what kind of depth it's built up along the way, in part because certain players took advantage of certain opportunities. You know the names. You know it's Evan Rodriguez. You know it's Danton Heinen. You know it's Brock McGinn. And you know the credit for all of those guys goes to Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. Yes, Rodriguez was initially... Uh, Jim Rutherford acquisition, but these guys had to bring him back, and I don't know that I saw that as a slam dunk. It's to their credit that they saw what they did and signed him for a year. They have tremendous depth. They have five-line depth up front. They have the kind of depth up front that if I were to task you with coming up with what you would see as a, an ideal trade target, at the next deadline, you'd stop, you'd pause, you'd go, um, the same way I do. I mean, you'd probably go to a right-handed defenseman, right? You'd, you'd look for somebody that could make Chad Ruweedle a seven. That's it. It's, it's the still looking to replace Cody Cece discussion. That's it. And even then, Ruweedle's been pretty good. If this team can get which should be considered close to reasonable expectations for the performances of Crosby and Malkin. This team's going to be better than it is now because it's going to be able to score more goals. Now, that, of course, comes with the obligatory, yeah, Geno's got to go along with everything and fit in with the system and everything, but we saw last year that he can and will do that sort of thing when Appropriately focused. Well, um, not to doubt his competitive spirit in any context, but when you look at the way Chris Letang has found his focus in a contract year and doesn't make all those crazy Chris Letang-type mistakes that would drive us nuts in watching him, maybe something similar will happen with Gino, he is playing for the first time in a long, 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 long time for a contract. And I have a feeling that that's going to have a bit of a sobering effect on 
the occasional carelessness and loopiness that'll show up in his game. And if you see Gino perform at the level that Latang is, oh, <laughs> you know, there's no reason to set a low bar for this team. The only reason that I had coming into this season, well, I should say reasons, was that I did doubt the forward depth in losing Jared McCann and Brandon Tanev, but the guys that I've already mentioned to you have more than made up for that. I think it's a deeper hockey team up front than it was last season. I had grave doubts about Ruedel and what would happen back there on the defensive side, but again, he's been okay. And I had the biggest doubts of all, as a lot of us did, about Jari. Well, all he's done is rise up to become one of the top five goaltenders in the league right now. That's not exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. It's definitely not homerism. It's right there in the numbers. He's number four in the National Hockey League in save percentage at 932. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with it. It's a good hockey team. Don't set the bar low for this group. When we come back, just one question. Just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com/dk. FuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from Gary, who asks, Since the Chicago Blackhawks scandal and the handling of COVID didn't get it done, I have to ask, I'm 40 years old, will I ever get to enjoy the NHL without Gary Bettman as commissioner? The answer, Gary, you Gary, not the other Gary, is that no, you will never get that. Gary Bettman will remain commissioner for all time, even posthumously, he will be the commissioner, just as he's been since 1993. He's now 69 years old. And when this subject came up just a couple of weeks ago in a broader swath type of press conference, he bit back in very Batman-ish style. He's done it at me as well by saying, you're not getting rid of me. I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. And he is to be taken at his word on that count. He has set up a hierarchy at the top of the league where he is in complete control. He does lean more on Bill Daly than he had in the past. He allows Bill to handle more of the, how shall I put this, the people skill stuff. You know, that Gary doesn't always have, in particular, dealing with people like me. Bill Daly's the guy, for example, if you're doing my job, 
and you have a question about uh, something related uh, to the league that might have an impact on the Penguins or even something specific about the Penguins, you'll shoot an email to Bill Daly and he'll shoot one back. You'll get an answer and you don't have to wonder whether or not it's from some low-level underling or whatever. It's from the guy that's the right-hand man of the commissioner. That said, every time you think that Bill's getting set up to be the next boss, he isn't. He isn't. Gary's not going anywhere. Gary's going to do this job until he can't. I really, really, really believe that. Now, a part of me has forever wanted to just rip Bettman into oblivion, principally for his failure to address the Tom Wilsons of the game, but also, and semi-related, the unwillingness to prioritize and promote the game's best and brightest players. To an extent, he has succeeded in that because the game is more open and has more scoring than it's had in a long time. It's as fast and exciting as it's been in a long time. We had an 8-7 to seven game in the NHL the other night. Yeah, I know the Coyotes were involved, so... But whatever, it was still an 8-7 to seven game, which was something that was unthinkable about 20 years ago when the Devils hijacked the sport. Bettman has done some good things for the league. He's done a great thing by fighting like crazy to get the salary cap put in and to make sure that all teams, including Pittsburgh, could compete on even footing and in turn, making sure that Canada could get a fair and just representation in the league again. That's that's all good stuff. And it's almost enough to overcome, in my eyes anyway, uh, the bad. But there's so much more this league could be. There just is. There just is. And to you, Gary, not the other Gary, I empathize. I really do. I remember what hockey was like uh, in the 1980s with goaltenders wearing skinny equipment and you could score on slap shots coming flying down the wing. And high-scoring games were the rule, not the exception. And broken records were the rule and not the exception. Hockey needs even more of that not less, as we're about to see over these next two, three years with Alexander Ovechkin, and I really, really hope overtaking Wayne Gretzky's goals record of 894. That would be a great, great thing for the sport. As you know, I'm positive 99 would agree. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one Monday, ideally talking about an actual hockey game for the first time.